0: Hello loves, it's Pleasance. Today I'm jumping on to remind you of the three S's. If you love this podcast and you love these conversations and teachings, I invite you to keep us supported by sharing, sharing the episode, sharing with a friend, sharing with your mom or your sister, sharing with a coworker subscribing. So subscribe to the podcast and please rate it. Please write a little review or a little rating. That stuff matters to people when they're looking on and they're trying to see if people are, um, you know, have integrity and are relatable and the teachings are helpful. So share it, subscribe to it, and then support us. So write on the anchor page, Um, uh, soulfulselfcaresessions.com. You can find it at littleom.com. You can find it right on the Anchor app, A-N-C-H-O-R. You can grab that app in the app store and listen to lots of wonderful podcasts through the anchor app um, and we have a support this podcast link right there and you can donate um, all donations are deeply appreciated creative work and teaching and sharing healing is my life's work and I deeply appreciate any amount that you contribute um, to keep this going so share subscribe and support Oh, Okay. Hi, everyone. It's Pleasant here. And today I'm here with my friend, Sharon Pope. Sharon and I had the pleasure of sitting next to each other for a whole weekend, just giggling away (laughs) at the author castle, um, because we have both worked with Dr. Angela Loria. And we met while we were publishing our books. And that was your second book? Her third or fourth or fifth remember. or sixth or...
1: Oh, yeah. I can't remember, but uh, it was in there. Yeah, let's call it the second
0: book. Oh, <laughs> so many. So Sharon is a master coach, an author, a mentor, a wife, a friend, a sister, a mother. You're all the things, girl. You are all mm-hmm. the things. And I invited Sharon to come on today to talk about boundaries to talk about relationships. Um, Sharon specializes in relationships and um, I really value her opinion and her experience. So I wanted her to come on and talk with us a little bit, just have a conversation around what we're seeing, um, how we can help people and what are some of the patterns and habits that are showing up in some of our relationships that are not really Working for us. So welcome.
1: Thank you so much. My two favorite things to talk about relationships and boundaries. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of like peanut butter and jelly.
0: Oh, I love that. (laughs) How did you tell me a little bit about how you got into this field, how you got into this work?
1: You know, it's kind of funny, and I'll try to keep it somewhat short, but um, I have been in corporate marketing for 20 years, and, you know, by all accounts, super successful with that, but it was just sucking the life out of me so one day it was like a Monday morning I went in to my office and we had just been bought by a um you know an investment firm and they of course it's not unusual they want to bring in their people so I came Mm -hmm. in on a Monday morning and I was freed some people call it fired I was freed from my blood-sucking corporate position and all and so I went home and you know the next week was very tumultuous because even though like it's not that surprising. Like I kind of saw it coming. It still is jarring.
2: Mm-hmm. I just
1: bought a house. I was getting ready to get married. I was like, it was like uncomfortable. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, all I can tell you is that when I, every time I would sit down to update my resume or talk to a recruiter or apply for a job, things like that, it felt like crap in my body. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant at the time because I wasn't a coach. I didn't have any of these tools. And so now I can look back on it and go, Oh, yeah, because it was like your your body telling you, oh, no, no, no. This is mm-hmm. not your path, darling. So um, so I came across Martha Beck's Life Coaching, and I took it not to specifically become a coach. I took it because I knew that it would help me do whatever was next for me. And then when mm-hmm. I got into it, I just fucking loved it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I started writing, and I, I'd always said, like, one day I'm going to be a speaker, and I'm going to have a book. Well, <laughs> Um, I kind of started thinking, well, why couldn't I do that now? And mm-hmm. I started seeing how speaking and coaching and writing and all of those things could sort of come together. And so it just went from there.
0: Mm-hmm. How long was it between the life coach training and when I met you at Angela's?
1: I'm going to say probably two years.
0: Okay. So okay. sometime, but not a super long time. No, if it
1: was it's probably me. max two years.
0: Okay. And how did you know, tell me how you got specifically involved with relationships.
1: So when I had met Angela, um, I told her I wanted to write three books and one was on life and one was on love and one was on business. And it was all around this concept of soulful truth telling,
2: Mm -hmm. of
1: being really honest with yourself. And so you, you're probably giggling already in your mind, knowing that she was not going to let me do that. Yeah. Um, No one wants to read a book about life. (laughs) <laughs> or just general love or whatever. And so we were at a retreat. We were in um, a resort in Utah. We were like snowed in up there. And we were talking about um, the different pieces. Because everyone told me, they're like, you should go into corporate coaching. because That's where your background is. That's where all your connections are.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I didn't like it. Like, I was over that. I, and she's like, what is it that you love to spend your time with? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, I want to talk about relationships. I want to talk about breakups. I want to talk about marriages and trouble. And she's Mm -hmm. like, all right, stop it with all this business stuff. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. (laughs) You are now a love coach. I am like giving you the edict. And so that's how it, it it just got really, really focused. And that just made sense. And I'm so grateful for it because you can't do all those things.
2: I
0: know.
1: Yeah. You got to, you got to focus somewhere so that you can really be in service to those people. And so I just went where my heart went, you know?
0: And you weren't resistant. You were really open and said, "Okay, let's try it. Okay, let's try it. Let's see how this feels." And now, however many years later—I mean, that was two and a half years ago—so now you've been doing this for more time. That right? That now you're like, "Okay, this is really my expertise, and it's well, easy to find me." And
1: what I can tell you is, I never from that day I've never veered from relationships. Mm-hmm. It's always been relationships, but it's been. Now I've gotten more focused on what specific thing in relationships. So for instance, the first book was all about how to find love when you don't have it. Mm -hmm. And I started working with people who wanted love and didn't have it. And that Mm -hmm. felt okay. But then I got into healing after breakups. And I really Mm -hmm. liked that because I could see people making huge shifts in their life in a short period of time. So that felt really good. Mm -hmm. Then I started exploring broken marriages, troubled Mm -hmm. marriages. And that was just like, hang it up, hang up everything else. Like I don't even, like, you want love. That's cool. I have a book for that. And there's lots of people who coach on that that have such a passion for it. That's not my thing. So I never veered from relationships, but I did kind of tweak and hone in on where's my greatest source of where I can really make it be- really benefit people and where it mm-hmm. lights me up. And so that's where I've landed now, five years later.
0: Okay, so let's dive into some of these really juicy. I love talking about this personal. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like the scarier the question, the better. <laughs> <laughs> <Bring it. laughs> so what are you seeing? Right now you're really focused on boundaries and intimate relationships, yeah. right? Is that what you would say? So yeah. tell me. What are the most common habits and patterns that you're currently seeing that are not so healthy for us?
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Here we go. So I would say at the top of that list
2: mm-hmm. is
1: overgiving.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we women, as the, we are the mothers and the nurturers and the givers and mm-hmm. you know, the compassionate and kind ones, but then we completely set our needs aside.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: after a while though, we get kind of bitter, we get a little salty about our needs not getting met.
2: Mm-hmm. But the deal
1: is, is that you never expressed your needs, you never expressed your preference. Mm-hmm. So everyone around you feels it's like they don't know what you need. And when you don't tell people what you need, so there's there's several things that will happen here. If you don't express what you need, what you desire, what your preference is, people will give you either what they would need. Or Mm -hmm. what they think you need, which is only gonna be wrong about 90% of the time. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because everyone thinks, and so I guess I should preface preface it with this. Everyone thinks that boundaries is just like the hand, like the hand up going, no, that doesn't work. But the other side of that same coin is telling people what you need, like telling people what does work for you, giving them the breadcrumbs. It's like this is why it's peanut butter and jelly, relationships and boundaries. Mm. It's because it's, it's like, it's the guidebook for our relationships. If you tell people how to engage with you, what really works for you and what doesn't, then they know the rules, they know the ground rules, and then it's all comfortable, it's all very clear. But when they don't know, they gotta guess and they gotta walk around and it can feel like a landmine field, you know? Or you're walking on eggshells and you don't really know when you're gonna get hit with that, you know?
0: So what's an example of one that you feel like you see?
1: Just to get really specific. Um, so we give, let's just say, um, but so mamas, <laughs> mamas definitely over give, <laughs> um, because we like, we want to give our children every possible thing that we can. And then we're doing and we're doing and we're doing, and we're just completely exhausted. And then we kind of, sometimes we'll take it out on our husbands. Now, granted, keep in mind, like, this is my space. So this is what I see most often we get really angry at our husbands that they're not, um, quote, helping, which I hate that word helping. Um, but that they're not helping and that they're not making it better for you and that they're not meeting your needs. But then, you know, little stuff, like what do you want for dinner? Oh, I don't care. Where do you want to go for vacation? I don't care. And so mm-hmm. the thing is like when we don't, when we don't state our preferences cause we all have preferences, that's just a mm-hmm. human right that we all have. But when we don't tell people and then we don't get our needs met, we can't really get upset about that because that's on us. Mm-hmm. You know? But but the good news is, is that we have all the power there. So whenever something doesn't feel good to you, that's the time just to pay attention and go, okay, wait a minute. Where am I not setting a boundary that clearly needs to be set here? Where am I not expressing what I need? Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'll talk about, and that's kind of a, it takes, I would say boundaries to a deeper level is that when you, are able to understand what it is that you need and what your preferences are, and you're able to express that, then you know you've got your own back. Mm -hmm.
2: You
1: you know you can keep yourself safe and you're no longer needing other people to quote, keep you safe. So I don't know if you've ever had Mm -hmm. this experience, Pleasance, but some one of my clients recently, She was like, so the mother, her mother-in-law was, um, you talk about the in-laws, right? Uh, (laughs) She was a tad overbearing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like um, she was telling me about how they would sit in a circle at Christmas time and they all had to wear matching pajama bottoms while Mm. everyone went around the circle and opened up the present that she had given them. Okay. uh, Like it was a little bit. Creepy. (laughs) Sorry, no judgment. (laughs) No,
2: I know. I was like, I call it crazy lady. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, but so she kept looking to her husband, like, and so I didn't tell you this part, but mama did not really like the daughter-in-law, she's mm. not approving of her, <laughs> and so where everyone else was getting, like, like the sister got a Gucci handbag, someone else got, like, these fancy jeans, she got a pair of uh, Lanzen socks, offered- I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, yeah, socks, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, So, um, so she was not really highly favored with the mother-in-law, but she, it caused such a disconnect between her and her husband because, you know, with a controlling mother like that, it probably doesn't surprise you that he doesn't stand up for her. Yeah. Mama's always been the alpha and that's not changing anytime soon, but huge disconnect in their marriage because she kept looking to her husband to have her back when she didn't realize she could have her own back, right? She could set different boundaries in that situation. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, but now she's like, it doesn't scare her anymore. Before she was, she was thinking, okay, I can't ever see my mother-in-law again and my husband's going to have to be okay with that. But that can cause a rip. Now that she has tools and she knows how to set boundaries and she knows she's got her own back, then she's not afraid to go over to mama's house. Mm -hmm. And if she doesn't want to sit in the circle, she doesn't have to. And if she doesn't want to wear tartan pajama bottoms. She doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't even have to open a gift. She doesn't have to bring a gift. She can do whatever she wants to do, whatever feels good. Boundaries is so much about what feels good for you. And sometimes giving does feel good and sometimes it feels depleting. So I think we got to pay attention to that. Mm -hmm.
0: And what do you think about other people's responses and reactions?
1: (laughs) I think it's not your business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I subscribe to Byron Mm -hmm. Katie's my business your business god's business do your people know what that is or should i describe
0: it? um about half Will we teach the work in thrive squared which is our year-long course but i haven't taught the work specifically and going deeper into byron katie in our foundational and a lot of people who listen to the podcast just come because they're yoga teachers or wellness professionals uh-huh. or moms. so if you give your background and specifics on it would be great
1: yeah sure so, um, so Byron Katie has a theory that, um, every situation only falls into one of three buckets and that's my business, your business and God's business or the universe's business or sources business, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So my business, if I'm speaking from my perspective, that's all the things that I can control about my experience, which is really just my choices, actions, behaviors, and to a pretty good degree, my thoughts, because I've practiced that so much,
2: mm-hmm.
1: your business like Is yours, pleasance, the things that you can control about your experience, your Mm -hmm. reader's experience, like the choices, actions, and behaviors, and your thoughts to a certain degree. And then there's God's business or source's business, and that's the stuff that nobody can control.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? That's a hurricane, that's like natural disasters. That's also when, like, when's the last day I'm going to walk this earth? Not my business. Mm -hmm. Don't know that. That's not, I'm not in charge of that really. Mm -hmm. So, Anytime that you are not in your business, so you cannot be in two places at once. Just like I can't be at your house and be at my house at the same time, it's physically impossible. So anytime you are not in your own business, there's two things that happen. One is you're causing yourself unnecessary suffering,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: So if my client is worried about my mother-in-law and how her reaction, and what's going to like, maybe she's worried. She's got, anxiety about how mother-in-law is going to react at this Christmas time. What are, what are all the brothers and sisters and extended family going to think if she's not sitting in the circle with matching pajamas, if she's not falling in line, oh my God, what are they going to think about her? Mm-hmm. You're causing yourself unnecessary suffering. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is suffering in that situation but you. But the second, and I think the more tragic thing, when you are in someone else's business is that nobody's there for your business, which is your whole point <laughs> of being in this life. Mm -hmm. is to be there for your life, your journey, your business. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I I said it pretty cavalierly when you asked the question of like, okay, what about other people's reactions? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's not your business. Mm -hmm. But but that's really what I mean is that like, I'm going to show up and be the best woman that I know how to be. The best wife, Mm -hmm. the best say mother, the best coach, the best friend. Like I'm going to just do the best that I can every single day. And other people get to have their experience of that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily need to change how I'm showing up. Now, once in a while, it will. right? There mm-hmm. are a few people in my life that I might change what I'm doing because they're that important to me. Mm-hmm. But it's like less that I can count them on a few fingers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If, you, if you have, like one time, there's, a, there's an exercise that I did in one of Bernie Brown's um, workshops where she had you draw a heart. And she had you put the name of the people inside that heart that you would genuinely change what you do, uh,
2: uh-huh, uh-huh. right?
1: Uh-huh. It was like, it was like, who who do you really care about what they think of you? Uh-huh. And now, when someone says when someone has a few people in there, I'm like, good, super healthy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: When someone has 28 people or 180 people in their heart, I'm like, oh, we got work to do.
0: Okay. Why is that a problem? Why is it a problem?
1: Because you can't. If you are living trying to please, let's call it twenty-eight people. Twenty-eight people have different expectations of mm-hmm. you, and you are doing what I call the hustle, doing like a dance to try for all those twenty-eight people, so that they will shine their loving light on you. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's it, it will never work. You will end up exhausted.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: will never please those people. You cannot stand on your head twenty-eight different ways. All day long, every day of your life, to please everyone else. Mm -hmm. It's like I just call it the hustle. It's a dance. Mm -hmm. It's and it's it will leave you exhausted. And Mm in these people that are looking to you to help them feel better, will never actually feel better. And you're just teaching them that to rely on controlling the circumstances and the people around them in order to feel good. And that's not sustainable either, Mm -hmm. because most of us do it. So Mm -hmm. I know we kind of went all over there with. With the topics, but but that's how it's
0: related and it's so layered and it's complicated in terms yeah. of being able to pick apart. And the thing that I'm obsessed with is like not just talking the talk, but being very specific. Because I think a lot of women um read all the books and listen to the podcast, but then continue to have patterns of over parenting, over caring, over giving, And we actually have to interrupt that pattern and habit. So I say all the time, that's not your business, but it's good to keep repeating it. It's good to keep remembering why it's not your business. What's the root of it and exploring how that then actually translates to holiday at in-laws. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And so the way that I use that is I will literally, when I feel like some, and it's usually, it's just some negative emotion, something I'm feeling. And then because I know that our thoughts create our emotions and our feelings, I go, okay, wait a minute. What am I thinking? Wait a minute, Sharon. I'll, I'll go to the thought and I'm like, mm, whose business are you in right now?
2: Mm-hmm. And just
1: asking myself, whose business mm-hmm. are you in right now brings me back into mine. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There was a thing this week, because tonight we are celebrating my mother-in-law's 70th birthday, this big birthday party. And um, she has four boys and so <laughs> the boys, let's just say they did you know, they wrote the check, but they haven't done anything to make this party happen outside of writing the check, right? So mm-hmm. there is a, there's a woman who, she might as well be family. She is family, but she's not married into the Pope's, right? So, but she is busting her booty to make this an amazing party for her boyfriend's mother.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: started mm-hmm. to like get a little bit salty with my husband this week because she had expressed to me through text. She's just like, she's really, she's like, Oh my God, I just can't wait till this is over. Mm-hmm. You know, no one has even told me thank you or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I got, I started to go there with my husband. Like, mm-hmm. why can't you just say thank you? Why can't? And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sharon. Mm-hmm. This is not going to go anywhere good. This is not your business. I mean, I said, I made, I've gone like, I'm going to tell her thank you 3000 times <laughs> and whether or not anyone else ever knows it's okay. It's, your business. Mm-hmm. it's not my job to control all these people and make sure that everyone feels thanked and that everyone shows gratitude. Like wh- who do I think I am?
0: <laughs> yeah. And this,
1: so, do you, I
0: don't know where this came from this. What do boundaries feel like? Um, yeah. Teaching and it's one, two, three, it's on my computer, so I'm looking at it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's nine statements that me like what do boundaries feel like? It's not my job to fix others. It's okay, okay if others get angry. It's okay to say no. I don't know where these came from. I wish I did because I use it and talk about it over and over and over and over because it's been so life-changing in my relationships and then in, in the in Thrive in the client work because yeah. Exact this statement. It is not my job to take responsibility for others, and I don't have to anticipate the needs of others. No.
1: What their reactions or their
0: none of that. None but of that. it's like it didn't it never occurred to me that that's what I was doing because we didn't have these conversations. We were not taught this. We saw models of women more 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 giving more working more baking more cooking more cleaning yep. more being a great friend and it's almost like there was this underlying dark side to that i mean there is not was dark mm-hmm. side to that because that's where that hustle is and that like you can't see my arms but i'm like chasing you know kind of mm-hmm. hamster on the wheel and so this when this this little teacher i don't it was like a meme that came on instagram that literally knocked me on my tush when I saw that statement, I don't have to anticipate the needs of others. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't have to do that. Thank you. Hallelujah. You know, of arms, raising, dancing, running, sharing, 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 teaching, 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 because it's exactly that. And we don't even realize we're doing it most of the time.
1: <laughs> right. And we don't realize that it's actually hurting us. Right. We just don't know because like you said, we've never been taught. Yeah. You know, the really interesting thing I'll tell you, because most of my clients, I'm going to say, are between the ages of 45 and 55. Uh-huh. The other thing that I see is that we give and we give and we give. Because, like, you know, the moment you give birth to a child, you are directly and indirectly told that your needs, desires, and dreams all go on the back burner for at least yes. a couple decades, right? Yeah. Yes. And then the kids are grown. You're now yeah. in an empty nest phase. Yeah. And what is fascinating is that's when I see a little bit of rebellion of where women are like, you know what? No more. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're like putting their foot down they're like, it's finally my damn turn. And Mm -hmm. it it comes up with a little bit of edge to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that pushes like their husbands away
2: Mm -hmm. and their
1: husbands are like, what is going on with you? You've changed. You're Mm -hmm. so selfish now. Mm -hmm. And all she's doing is honoring her own needs. And she's, but she's doing it with a lot of like, I would call it just exaggeration because it's Coming from a place of being so depleted, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: but once you understand, like, wait a minute, you did all that. That was not Mm -hmm. done to you. Mm -hmm. You can change the course of that at any moment. So that when you turn fifty, you're not because that's why they they call it like the midlife crisis. It's not a crisis. (laughs) It's like you're just finally putting yourself on your own to do list, right? On your own priority list that you have not done for decades.
0: And what if we don't have to wait until? After yeah. the kids leave, after yeah. I retire, blah, blah, all these afters, like yeah. really delaying and postponing our own joy, that's right. our, our own self care. Right. Um, and that's what's happening. That's what this, this sort of energetic awakening that's happening in our world and this collective consciousness and all of the stuff we're talking about not being buried or hidden or dark, or we're not gonna be, you know hopefully not tortured for this or, you know, like we're free to be able to have these conversations and we're evolving in ways where people can hear it and feel it for the first time, um, earlier and earlier. And these are the things that I talk to my 10 year old about. Right. And I say to her Mm -hmm. when she is, she's so empathic and she's so sensitive, um, and which is her superpower. Right. So I have to give her that language. This is your superpower. And here's what happens when it goes to that unhealthy side. Look how much pain you're in and the, and look how you've taken it on. So let's kind of separate some of that and be able to move through it with different tools. It's not your, I'll say that it's not your job to take, (laughs) to anticipate the needs of others.
1: Oh my God. Imagine if every mother told their child that. I mean, (laughs) it's fascinating. I always call people that your superpower. Also, when you take it to an unhealthy extreme, is also your kryptonite. Yes, it's also the thing that will yeah. take you down. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Um, okay, so what? What I'm trying to think about the layers. You talked a little about a little bit about Brené's work. So, talk to me a little bit about how you see the connections between the truth telling, the vulnerability that she teaches and, uh, and boundaries.
1: Oh my gosh. I, this is the, when I got to this place is when I really fell in love with boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, because I began to understand that. So if you take the two sides of the coin, one side is this is what's not okay with me. And the other side is this is what works really well for me. And so once you start to realize that when you express what you need, And when you say what you don't want, you're telling the truth of who you are. Mm -hmm. You're letting people know you. You're letting them see you. But if you never state a preference, you never express your needs, you never even say what is not okay with you, either side of that coin, then no one really knows you. Mm -hmm. And so that was where, when I learned that, it was like it smacked me in my forehead because I was like, yes. That's why this, it doesn't have to be, boundaries don't mean you have to be a bitch. Boundaries Mm -hmm. are like letting people in, Mm -hmm. letting them really know you and telling the truth of who you are. And that's when I was like, oh yes, hell yes. Let's do that all day long. Mm -hmm. Right, so does that make sense? It's like it doesn't have to be like this edgy thing that you avoid. Like, you know, it it can be, you can set boundaries and be incredibly loving.
0: So this is like what it relates to from the lens that I'm always coming from in terms of Eastern philosophy and wisdom tradition is the essential, it's at the heart of Ayurveda, which is all about living your true nature and your sort of like your Dharmic path or your Dharma is just that, that true nature, that calling that is so unique to you Yes. as a combination and a mix of the doshas or the elements. Oh, and wow. so because this is actually happening in, happening in nature, meaning, and how we talk about this in Ayurveda is, a tree cannot be a squirrel. Mm-hmm. Like a tree is a tree and a squirrel is a squirrel. And a tree is not trying to be a squirrel, right? A tree gets to be a tree. They're rooted, they need certain things, they're, they're staying stable, they're growing, they're expanding, they lose their leaves, they, get, they go through the cycles, right? And a squirrel has its own life cycle, and they're not trying to be like each other or compete. The tree doesn't look at the squirrel and say, "You're, the, I want to be just like you, and my life sucks because <laughs> your life is better.
1: Yeah, no, you're so much further ahead. You're
0: so much further ahead. Like You're like, oh, look at that. And so when we use nature as our teacher, as our guide in Ayurveda, we're saying, like, Sharon is a beautiful, unique combination of her elements and her preferences and her, and her um, life choices and her truth. And the closer we get to truth, which is our own unique uh, representation, the more freedom we have. And then here's the most powerful, beautiful teaching. And the more you see yourself is that beautiful representation of, of nature and harmony. You see it in others. Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Yes, and then when You can totally <laughs> who you are. As yes. you are, you can do yes. something for other people. Yeah. It's not it 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 benefits the other people. Yes. In that way, right? When you take care of yourself first, you do benefit all the people that surround you.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that's why it's not selfish. And it's actually the most selfless work you can do in the world from an Ayurvedic perspective is to know who you are and stay true to who you are and clear about who you are. And that means having boundaries and it means having preferences and it means doing that deep work so that you can fully accept others when they have that same, they have their same gifts and talents and strengths and not trying to be someone else. And that is... I just feel like when I heard those teachings and as I've studied them sort of like a, like my shoulders drop, I can kind of exhale and just say like, yeah, that sounds true. That feels true. And that's why I want to continue to have these conversations and create boundaries, um, so that I can have these intimate, healthy relationships.
1: Yes. Yes. Thousand
0: times. Yes. Um, Tell me about some of the boundaries, like some of the boundaries and experiences that you've had within your own family. I love hearing people's like personal <laughs> stories.
1: <laughs> well, um, the timing is very funny because it just happened yesterday. <laughs> um, so my father is someone that I have to, I have, I have had to learn how to set healthy boundaries for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a pretty tumultuous relationship for us several decades because I didn't know how to do that. So yesterday, um, so each morning he will text me because he, uh, so my mom for medical reasons cannot be by herself and he likes to go Uber driving. That's what he does to make some money. My dad's like 73 and he's driving Uber for Uber, which is funny. Um, Mm -hmm. but so he will text me in the morning and say, Hey, when can I bring mom by? And I took, this was yesterday. And I told him, um, how about between three and four in between my client calls? He's like, okay, no problem. It was around 3:30 that he texts me and says, Hey, you know, we're thinking that we'd like to go to happy hour today, but I want to Uber tomorrow before you go to the anniversary party. Can I drop her off at 9 a.m. and pick her up at three? And in my mind, I was like, but, but, you know, because I always try to be like, because I love having my mom here, <laughs> you know, like it's fine, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually very flexible, but I knew today, um, let's see, I had this interview. I have nine videos to shoot and I got to leave at three o'clock to set up for my mom mother-in-law's 70th birthday party. And I was like, no, the answer's no. <laughs> but so of course I didn't say that. What I said was, uh, what I said was, sorry, dad, that doesn't work for me. Uh,
2: uh-huh. That's
1: it. No justification, uh-huh. no describing it, no guilt about it. Just like, no dad, that doesn't work for
2: me.
0: Uh-huh. And that's okay. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Right, and it's like he may not have liked that. He was like, he said something back, like, "Oh, I'll I'll manage."
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, what what was his response? Okay. And then right. how do you? Yep, yeah, exactly.
1: But I can't. I, I'm not like I consciously. I'm like, nope. I'm not gonna feel guilty about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I have, I really like. I'm very accommodating, mm-hmm. and, and I have a lot of things going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm committed to those things too. So no, nope, Dad. And so what happened was he they four They forego. They they did not go to the happy hour, and he dropped her off about four o'clock yesterday, and he Mm -hmm. got super driving in yesterday, and so today he has the day off. Mm -hmm. It's all okay. Like he gets to have whatever he gets to feel about it, however he wants to feel about it. Mm -hmm. But what I can tell you for sure is that um, so the only people that you ever really need to set boundaries with are people that really need boundaries that way. Mm -hmm. My dad is Mm -hmm. one of those people, Mm -hmm. and now that I've been doing this, and I just like. I don't explain my no, but i also don't, it doesn't have to come with who do you think you are? And you're so inconsiderate. It doesn't have to come with any of that. Mm -hmm. He, he goes with it. He rolls with it and we have a better relationship than we have probably ever had. But that's all about my energy. It's not about him changing. He's not changing. It's just my energy of what I'm bringing to the relationship now. Right. where I have some harder lines that I don't get. I don't get locked on as much with him. And I don't take on all that guilt. And believe me, I came by my guilt naturally. Right. Look, <laughs> like parents, I grew up Catholic. like We soaked up all that guilt. Okay. <laughs> I think I shed most of that, but you know, I just, I, I won't, his reaction is not my business. My own business is just being taking care of me so that I can show up as the best human being in my life. That's it. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you ever have clients um, or women in your life who really self-identify with caring as a way that they show love and their love language? So it's really hard for them to figure that piece out because the over-giving or over-caring is what brings them joy. How do you kind of deal with that?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that is... So- of course, being a generous person, that can feel really good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think where it crosses the line into what I would call unhealth is where your giving is part of your identity. You're not doing it because out of abundance and a place of overflow, but it's like the giver is who I am. In other words, the martyr is who I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's where, like, when it becomes part of your identity, it gets a little no, uh, mm-hmm. no, no. Like, that's not what you produce and what you give to others and how well you stand on your head so that they can feel good. That's not who you are. That might be what you choose to do, and it might not be the most direct path to joy. But, but that's not who you are. That's not your identity. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I would say is, and it's a nuance, but I know you'll get this: is that there, it's like a feeling it's more of a feeling than like something in your head. Like, Oh, if I do this, it's healthy. If I do this, it's not healthy. When I give in this way, it's healthy. When I give in that way, it's unhealthy. It's all like, cause everyone has different boundaries, different things that feel good to them. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very personal. And I think when you're in touch with, Oh, wait a minute, that doesn't feel good. Why is that? Like, let me just think about that for a second. Let me just explore that. That feeling is where we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, what, that line, it's a, it's a nuance, and so that's why it's hard to explain, but I think it's a, it's a personal feeling. And When it starts to, like, uh, just like, it feels like a pit in your stomach, like, whoa, wait a minute. Then it's like, okay, wait a minute. What, what do I do with this information? But yeah. your line may be very different than my line. Yeah. And that's okay. We all just each get to create our experience and know when, when it hops into overgiving and depletion. But it can't, it, it, when it goes into, and I, this is part of my identity, what yeah. I produce, how much I give is part of my identity. I think you got to look at that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because then your identity is being seen through other people's eyes and how well you're meeting their needs. And then they're defining your identity, not you. You got to know who you are. That's where that begins. You can't set that up because you don't know who you are.
0: And I think that this is part of something you said earlier about in terms of relationships, like, um, when you're over managing a relationship or over caring in a relationship, or you're thinking about what somebody else needs or wants. Um, I think that this is actually at the heart of why so many women are so exhausted.
1: Oh, for sure
0: because it's the mental drain and energy that they are spinning. In Ayurveda, we call it vata imbalance. So it's too many moving thoughts that are draining us. And so for me, so what's really interesting is that, do you study Enneagram? Do you know about Enneagram? I don't. Okay. So Enneagram is like a psycho-spiritual system of nine types that, again, we sort of all are a mix of all of them, but we have dominant types, right? So my type is type two, which is the giver, right? Like Uh the the person of service, right? So um, type twos, like for them to feel in dharma, in true nature, they really need to be of service and doing something of service. So that's a really tricky one because of that balance of healthy and unhealthy, and what I've noticed over the years of studying Enneagram with Ayurveda, with the psychology and the mindset piece, is that the, the way I can tell the health or the unhealthy extremes is what's my energy after the conversation, mm. the work, the retreat, the giving, the day. And when I am aligned and in true nature, I'm like bursting with vibrant energy. <laughs> yes, and there's so much to give so much to give. And when I'm over giving or overthinking or overdoing because everyone else thinks I should be on the PTA or I should run this blah, 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 I'm exhausted, yeah. right? Because I'm taking care of others, taking responsibility for others. I'm not saying no. I'm not letting others get angry. I'm not letting myself get angry. Um, I'm not accepting my own feelings. I'm not feeling like I'm enough. You know, These are all the, the statements and the what do boundaries feel like? So, I think it's fascinating how layered this all is, and yet it's so relevant to this whole exhausted society without a lot of boundaries for our personal life, our work, ourselves, our intimate relationships, and we're seeing it through exhaustion yes yeah. yes,
1: total depletion you know yeah yeah i, I yes <laughs> I agree with you yeah right this uh, When we when we feel abundant, when we have the full tank, we have so much more to give, and everyone on the receiving end of that feels it.
2: Mm -hmm. When you're
1: giving from a place of exhaustion and obligation, and I should do that, or I'm trying to predict their reaction. If I don't do this, then they're going to think something about me or do something like trying to manage their reaction. Mm -hmm. Oh
0: gosh, that
1: that alone, just talking about it exhausts me. Did you like (laughs) sigh? I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right.
0: Well, and once you stop doing that, you feel so much better. So, you know, I I want to help people see how these things are connected to why people, why so many women I know have autoimmune disease and anxiety and stress and depression um, and just feeling overwhelmed because our world is moving so fast and social media and all these distractions and demands. And so I really feel. Um, strongly about us taking the reins of our life and being really honest and straightforward about why we're feeling this way yeah. and, and, and sort of shifting our, our priorities daily so that we don't have to feel that way. Because that's really, that really breaks my heart to think of an entire species of women
1: yeah, feeling that generation. way. Yeah. When you were going through the, uh, when you deny your feelings and you, Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things that you were, it, what was running through my mind is, oh my gosh, that is a recipe for disease.
0: Yeah, right. disease, And that's yeah. the heart of Ayurveda is any time you're not living in true nature, it's disease, ease disease. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why it's so relevant and this is 5,000 year old teachings because humans are humans and we are magical, mysterious creatures <laughs> and we think we're so special and we're not. <laughs>
1: I don't know. I think I'm special. I think special. <laughs> I mean, we're all so special.
0: Yeah. That's one way of looking at it. Or the Buddhists are like, you're not so special. This is what humans do. They create, right. they create all these issues. They keep talking about them. They go in circles. They suffer. They don't see that this is like what we do. So once we decide, oh, this is what we do, then you can actually enjoy your life. <laughs> right. But, but, suffering. <laughs> but
1: you know what's so fascinating is that that's not really... Like no one taught us that like the point of being here is to enjoy your life. Correct. Right? Like so even just that simple phrase of like so that you can enjoy your life. It's kind of wait a minute, what do you mean I'm supposed to enjoy my life? I thought I was supposed to get good grades so that I could get a good job, so that I could pay bills, so that I could start a family, so that I could, you know, like I thought that's why I was here. Nope. Nope. It's actually just to enjoy your
0: life. Radical shift in thought in daily life and priorities. Because if that is not the truth, if you work hard and here's the deal, right? That recipe does not equal the outcome that, that we were promised work hard, go to a great school, make a lot of money in a job. Like that does not, that recipe is not work in this society anymore. That, that doesn't, I don't know that it ever did, but in theory, again, this is what we were taught, at least what I was taught in New England, where this is what they've taught forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is work hard and go to the best school and then you'll get this and then you'll get this and then you'll be happy. And it's just a totally different way of viewing life. You I, know,
1: I agree with you. It's just that model is falling apart, outdated. Yeah, it's totally outdated. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see like what over the next 10 years, I was talking to someone about this and they were saying how their kids, um, they're in high school and in the morning they go to a trade school and then in the afternoon they come and they go to like the traditional school. And so he's learning construction management and his friend is learning landscape management in the morning. Like, And I'm like, that's amazing. I had no idea that that was even a possibility for kids. And then because I have... A niece and then a stepdaughter who are both going into their first year of college and I'm talking to different people about college experiences and things like that like the de facto like you go to high school and then you go to a four-year university Mm -hmm. you take on a hundred thousand dollars in student debt it's just not the way of it anymore
2: nope like no. my niece
1: is super conscious about, she's like, I am not graduating with a hundred grand in debt. I'm not doing it. She's going go okay. to go to community college for two years and then she's going to go get her degree from somewhere else that has a better, like a name for it so that she can do the good job thing. But she's And, and by the way, she wants to work full time while she's going to school because they will pay for her schooling,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like they're just really conscious of this stuff now and they're like, Mm-mm, not doing that.
0: And it's work smarter, not harder. And we have an expanding and expanding our world. And it's, it's so awesome to see that, you know, I'm teaching at uh, American university now. So I'm in the classroom with undergrads and I tell them this, right. We, I teach them this and we talk about it, expansion opportunities, you know, what's available to you, what's changing um, Sharon, they don't even use textbooks that you hold anymore. Like I'm the dinosaur holding the textbook because I love paper and books. So like I'm carrying it around. Theirs are all digital and they rent them.
2: <laughs>
0: I, <love it. laughs> like, I was like, wait, you do what? You know, um, but how, it, how fast is changing and this world and what I told them, what I noticed in business, I don't know if you've noticed this in business at all, but this is actually very relevant is that I will be in a room with women in business who've had their own business for a long time and they will have hired some millennials. Okay. And the millennial bashing starts Mm -hmm. because the millennials will say, sorry, we're not working past five. Sorry, we're not working on the weekend. No, I'm not available to do that. Like they have these boundaries that they say, I don't know where they're getting them from or where this came from, or I don't know if it's the stress culture or I, I don't know, but then the women who are t- having this conversation are really negative about their boundaries.
1: Well, because, right? because it's- they were brought up on the work hard.
0: Exactly.
1: To get more stuff. <laughs> like, like get it done. Work 60 hours a week. That's how you, that's how yes. you that's what being a good employee looks like. Yes. Yeah. And t-
0: it's triggering to see other people yes. who have boundaries. Yeah, and you call don't- them lazy. L- yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah it's it's really interesting to watch because i love that same that clarity that confidence that speaking up that knowing who you are and and watching other people respond to it it's fascinating
1: well you know how you said you can learn so much from nature Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i think nature and also babies i call them Mm -hmm. all babies even when they're 18 like just they're all babies like our babies are wise and we Mm -hmm. should learn we can learn from them because Mm -hmm. they're not filled up with so much crap because they just haven't been on this planet that long
2: um Mm -hmm.
1: but let the babies lead us a little bit and show us like you can be productive and be happy Mm -hmm. you get get to have it all you get to have both yeah and it's just a a judgment that you have that it has to look a certain way
0: yeah my, um, I have a friend, mentor. She's been on the podcast. She does RTT, the rapid transformational therapy. And she, um, my like phrase of the year is that she taught me, or she's been sort of like reminding me of is you can have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't have to feel bad about that. And you get to define what your cake is. <laughs> you get yeah. to define if that's money, if that's freedom, if that's time off, if that's gardening, if that's, you know, what it is and create that for yourself. So it feels like a magical time to be having these conversations um, yeah. and, and just playing with it and experimenting it, you know, yeah. experimenting with it to see how it feels.
1: And to bring that back to boundaries, like if, yeah, the what side of the coin is knowing your own preferences, knowing yeah. what you like, knowing what you prefer, being able to express that. Yeah, it, it is a magical time to be able to, you know, just expand if, in this way.
0: I've noticed that sometimes I'll ask people that, um, around preferences and what brings you joy and, you know, what are the things, and they don't really know, right? (laughs) Right. What do you say to people? What's your, what advice do you have for people who feel like I have no idea?
1: Then you've got to like get in the sandbox. Like you've got to try a bunch of things. You've got to play. You've got to, yeah, you've got to allow yourself to play. Like, so it's what you're saying is actually, I think more common than we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, that they actually don't know their preferences because they've never mm-hmm. given themselves permission to have needs and preferences. Right. Because mm-hmm. as we said, like you give birth and now all of a sudden your needs, desires, dreams, preferences go on the back burner. And so it's like all that gets pushed aside. And then you're someone and someone says, someone asks you like, well, what is it that you love to do? And you're like, mm, I love to, you know, be with my kids or I love it. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, it's like, it, it, it doesn't fill the need of who am I and what is it that I like and what is it that I prefer? Because mm-hmm. as you were saying, we all get to create our experience. You can have your cake and eat it too. And it can, you can have any flavor of cake you want. <laughs> it can look any way that you want it to look. But in mm-hmm. order to understand what are your preferences, what are the things that you like um, or the things that light you up, you might have to like, just get out there and play a lot you know, and mm-hmm. say yes more than you say no, and try a bunch of new things, and then follow the hot tracks, right, the warmer, colder game of, like, oh, that felt good, let me keep going with that, I took a painting class, that was super fun, maybe I'll take a ceramics class, that sounds fun, like, you just follow the hot tracks, and then when mm-hmm. something doesn't feel good, it's like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> bungee jumping out of an airplane would not feel good to me, Like, <laughs> but some people would love that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right, so, but you've got to get out there, and you've got to play a little bit and give yourself permission to play in order to find out what your preferences are. But yeah. you know what? Like I, so here's a simple thing that people can do this week. Yeah. If someone says, what do you want for dinner? Don't say, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like just sit there for a second and come up with what is your preference? What do you want right now? Do you want steak? Do you want sushi? Do you want seafood? You want chicken? What do you want? Have a preference and just state it. Like I prefer this. And everyone else gets to prefer what they prefer. It's not about getting your way necessarily, but it's just stating your preference. Like, don't like we we just go, oh, I don't care, way too often.
0: Yeah, and that's a way to just start practicing today, stating what you need and paying attention to yourself, essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then, and then in doing so, you are letting people know you. You're getting mm-hmm.
0: to know yourself and you're letting other people in. And that's a beautiful thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. You're I want to so go I loved it. And listen and write out some notes. I have like a, uh, this huge page of notes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to send you um, the list of the boundaries that we talked about, and I'll also post them. They may be too long to post in the show notes. So I might just put them on the blog for a little home, but they're all over my social media because once I found them, I sort of couldn't stop posting them. So oh, yeah, Those, the
1: yeah. But
0: just so you, I just want you to, I mean, they're just mind blowing in that way. And again, I wish I could give someone credit. I don't know where they came from. So if anyone's listening to this and they do know, please do let me know so I can give the correct. They are not mine. I did not create this. <laughs> um, just like to say that. Um, okay. So where can people find you online? Where can they learn about your work and read your books? Everything
1: you can find at Sharon it's easy Okay, easy Awesome.
0: Enough. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Sharon. You're the yeah. best. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was so fun. Take care, dear. Bye.